Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Brian is not here. Uh, I'm recording this on Friday, July 5th. Uh, I'm actually up in Lake George, New York uh, for the holiday. Brian is away from me at the moment. Uh, but what I wanted to do was I grabbed a quick interview with Jonathan Charks from The Ringer. Why I wanted to talk to him was that he wrote a really good piece on The Ringer about who KD may be uh, post-injury, what his comparison may be. Uh, it's Dirk Nowitzki, older Dirk Nowitzki, maybe a more athletic Dirk Nowitzki, but that's what it was. So I wanted to grab Jonathan real quick because he's really smart on basketball. Uh, he also watched a lot of DeAndre Jordan because he's a Mavs follower. Uh, so he saw a lot of DeAndre last year, and that was critically important because sort of the one question you have out of all of this, if you're going to have a question, is what actually will DeAndre Jordan do? Because you know they gave him a four-year commitment. This isn't just a minimum vet deal for one year plus one. This is a four-year commitment, so you hope over those four years that he actually can contribute to the team, and I think he will, uh, but I wanted to hear from Jonathan what really exactly DeAndre was like last season, um, so maybe we can spin that forward next season. And one thing I did want to point out that I, I need to kind of clean up clean up from an earlier pod was that I had said that DeAndre Jordan probably won't be in at the end of the games because of his free throw percentage, and that was typically historically the case. But if you look at his free throw percentage last year, it was 70.5% from the free throw line, which is like obviously way better than what he was early in his career when it was like at like 40%, something horrible like that. Um, and also, of course, the other bit of Nets news was that the Nets signed Wilson Chandler to a vet minimum deal. Fantastic, beautiful signing. You know, vet minimum, really can't expect too much from him, but that's that's like the nice byproduct of getting KD and Kyrie is that you get a guy like Wilson Chandler to consider coming to the Nets on that vet minimum deal. But coming up, you're, hearing, you're going to hear Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer, um, about 15 minutes interview there, and then we'll wrap it up, and then we'll be back with you guys next week continuing to talk KD, Kyrie, and everything about the Nets and free agency. Well, you guys must be a lot more popular, huh? That's exciting. Yeah, no, it's like, I mean, so we've been doing the podcast since the KG Paul Pierce trade. I mean, like, we've been doing it. Um those were some bleak years. Dude, super bleak. Uh, but, like, we kept doing it, not because we knew KD and Kyrie were coming, but, like, you know, we felt like good things about Sean Marks and all that stuff, and now we're here, and KD and Kyrie are Brooklyn Nets. Look at this. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, so you, the reason why I'm calling you because you wrote a really good piece about what to maybe expect from Kevin Durant um, when he comes back next year. So sort of, if you could, for people who maybe didn't read it, what was like your main synopsis for what you think KD may look like, you know, in what, 2020, 2021? First off, check out the ringer.com and read the article, you know, so give me some <laughs> clicks. Uh, but in terms of the basic idea of it, uh, it's just that if KD can't regain the athletic ability he lost from the Achilles, then there's a path for him to transition into more of a Dirk Nowitzki type player. And that he doesn't necessarily need to have great quickness to be a very, very effective and top-level player. And he can use the way the Mavs use Dirk later in his career as a model, as really the whole Nets franchise can. This is how he can maximize a player with this skill set if he can no longer be the Kevin Durant we all remember and want to see, obviously. I'm kind of surprised by the amount of doubt that I'm kind of hearing from some people about who Kevin Durant may be when he comes back. And obviously we don't know, you know, Achilles injuries are tough things to really pin down. The information on Achilles injuries is really light. It's not that good. There's not that big of a sample size. And when you're looking at that sample size, it's not like 
super encouraging. Um, yeah. What, how, from your just guess, what, what kind of player do you think we're going to see? I mean, you're talking about Dirk, older Dirk. It, what what may be lost, do you think, uh, if anything at all, when he comes back? I think the biggest thing I have a hard time seeing him continue is the defense. I mean, that's what's really kind of a bummer is, like, Pete Kevin Durant could lock up dudes. Like, we could have seen in last year's finals Durant guard Kawhi and possibly win that matchup. I don't see that coming back in any scenario where you can say, okay, Katie's switching everything. Katie's guarding the best player. I mean, Katie guarded LeBron in two finals. I'm not sure we'll see that player, which is really unfortunate. But I don't – and even as he gets older anyways, you look at LeBron's defensive decline. Generally, guys in their 30s who played that many minutes who have such a big load on offense can no longer play at both ends at a high level. That'd be my – I feel like that's probably a fairly safe baseline to say. Say Kevin Durant, I mean, he was considered a possible defensive player of the year two years ago. That's probably not coming back in this scenario. Right, and that's value that's taken away from him. I mean, like what makes Kawhi so amazing is that he does the bo- the two things at each end of the floor. Where, I mean, Durant was isn't thought of as the same level, but as you're saying, he was, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate. He was a guy that could play center at times against certain lineups. You know, he could protect the rim. He wasn't really banging down low, but he could protect the rim on some level. Um, and that may be lost. I mean, my biggest concern is sort of. Obviously, I'm not a basketball player, and I don't, I've never had an Achilles injury, but lower leg injuries, the biggest thing we saw this with Gordon Hayward is a confidence thing. Like, yeah. confidence in landing, confidence in going through sort of your routine through your jump shot, because if you don't have confidence on your landing platform, it alters how you're, what shots you're going to take, how you're going to take a guy to the hole, potentially. I mean, that, that to me is the biggest sort of... Um, for a guy who, you know, it's been taught, talked about a lot that Katie's not reliant on uber-athleticism. He's not John Wall. But he does rely on skill and his footwork to get these shots off. And I worry that that confidence won't be there. I mean, it may take – they say it's like a two-year injury. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this it, it's so crazy. Like, it's so exciting to get Katie and Kyrie, but it may take two years before, like, we get what we hope to be – you know, optimal either of them. Um, I mean, yeah, I think psychologically it's going to be hard. Like I'll say, it. I think he was playing before he got hurt. I think he was the most talented player of all time in terms of what he was doing on the court at his size and his versatility, just his complete game. Like he was playing at the level of like Jordan, LeBron, just the best ever. And to come to lose that at the top of your game and to come back a different player psychologically is going to be very, very hard for him. Well, let me ask you this. So there's been some people who are almost questioning whether the Nets should have made this move. You know, some people wanted them to stick with D'Angelo Russell and continue to build it that way. And that partly because you can't really trust Kyrie Irving on your team uh, too much. And partly because the KD injury. Are you in the camp, though, of that? I mean, if you can get Kyrie and KD, you just got to do it. Yeah. I mean, I still think Durant. I still think Durant is a great enough player. I still see him having all-star second half of his career i think just because the way his body the way his game can be adjusted can adapt i think it's i mean it's kevin durant he's still kevin durant i if it was Kyrie on his own i'm not sure i would do it but the chance of kd i think you got to go for it because realistically a player like that even if it's like 80 percent of kevin durant players like that they don't come out in the market very often and you don't get a very good chance of getting them you can't turn that down what's the so let's switch to Kyrie for a second 
the let's say just comparing D'Angelo Russell to Kyrie Irving, where what how big of a gap if there is a gap? How big of a gap do you think there is on the court? Um, Kyrie's probably better in terms of his stray basketball, but I think the issue is the injury history, the size, and the youth. Like D'Angelo, I think people are sleeping on how good he's going to be in Gold State. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think he could. It would not surprise me if he was considered better by this time next year because of how – I mean, he's playing with Steph and Draymond. He's going to get so many open shots, right? Draymond doesn't really shoot very much, and Steph plays off the ball a lot. I see D'Angelo having a freaking all-NBA caliber season. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Just I'm, just the situation he's in in, in uh, Golden State's amazing. And his youth, he's getting – he's so young. He's so much younger and he's bigger. I think it's amazing that Golden State pulled this off because this is something that – you know, it's talked about that the team could do it, and it's funny, the sign-in trade we thought was, like, dead a couple of seasons ago, and now it's bigger than almost ever. And that Gold State pulled off losing Kevin Durant, believing going in probably that they were going to lose him for nothing, and then figuring out a way to get someone like D'Angelo Russell, who, you know, I'm not exactly clear why the market on him didn't develop at the level that... Well, I... restricted free agency yeah. That's the first part of it. Yeah, and he was still able to – I, I think he had to get the – not that he had to get the max, but Golden State talking to his agent was like, we'll give him the max for him to come here because that – I mean, not that they he has that much of a choice, but he would have to agree to have signed a contract with Golden State and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be like a finishing school for him playing there for a year. I really think his reputation on the league will be much higher. And I think they're going to auction him off next summer at the top of his value and get a great return. That'd be my guess. And if that happens, that scenario, think about that career where it's, what is it, two years with L.A., one of those years being a Kobe Bryant year, then it's two years in Brooklyn, one of those years being he's an all-star, and he is the reason why the Nets were in position to get Kyrie and KD. He goes to Golden State, is in this sort of weird transition season with Golden State where it's Steph and Draymond and not Clay. Even though apparently Clay's agent, I think, is putting out there that Clay may have the potential to come back at some point during the season, and then he could get traded again to the Timberwolves or the Phoenix Suns or some team that we're not even thinking about. I mean, that would be one of I'm the thinking, weirdest, weirdest season, the weirdest beginning of a career, pretty much ever. I my think I'm thinking if I had to guess right now, I'm gonna say he gets traded to Orlando for Aaron Gordon. And they think Aaron Gordon can be our new Draymond's. And, and Draymond's kind of gone in that, that scenario, role. right? Well, maybe he come back in a smaller number. I don't know. But I think the idea is we have Steph and Clay. They're going to age fine in their 30s. And we need a new Draymond long term. I think Aaron Gordon makes perfect sense in that role. And then, of course, we're going to need the point guard. So it works both ways. So let's kind of like go forward a year. So, so there's been some debate about like how well actually Kyrie and KD fit together. I don't really have any doubts about it because I think two guys at that level – when they're at that level, can figure it out. And KD has shown over his career to be able to play next to ball-dominant point guards or guys who need the ball most of the time. How do you see those two guys fitting together? Let's say they're both healthy, you know, in 2020, 2021. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think because Kyrie agreed to this, like he had to come in knowing, okay, when Durant comes back, Durant's going to be the centerpiece. So Kyrie's kind of like the perfect second option. And I think with KD... I think the really underplayed story with him this year was the growth as a passer. He averaged, a, I think he had more assists than Steph this year. I'd have to go back and look at it. But I know it was a career, I think it was six assists a game. I think, I think that's right, but I'll, I'll look as right. we're talking. And so just, I think, Katie's ability to distribute the ball 
lets Kyrie do what he does best, just hunt shots. And I think Kyrie's the perfect second option if you have that elite. We already saw it in Cleveland, I don't know, four or five years ago now. So I think that's fine. I think it's more with Katie getting older, Kyrie lacking size. It's can everybody else buy into smaller roles and defend for them? And that to me is a real question. Like, how did like all like Karis Levert is now stuck in third option role forever? Jared Allen's not even starting anymore. Like that is going to be the I thing I want to see is how do these young guys accept and grow into these smaller roles? How does that? If we obviously saw it in uh, Boston last year, right? Like Karis Levert was probably thinking after the playoffs, I'm the best player in Brooklyn. It's my team next year. I'm going to play for a max contract. Well, that's gone now. So how is he going to accept that? I don't know. Well, so I'll give you the max contract. Uh, we, we've seen before uh, agencies sort of take over a team. And think I think we're seeing the Rock Nation agency basically take over the Brooklyn Nets, which, which is funny because obviously the Jay-Z connections and all that. Lavert is a Rock Nation guy. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. And to get – this hasn't been reported anywhere, and I'm not reporting because it's not like I have that source, but guys get paid out at a higher level if you have a bunch of guys on a certain agency remembering Tristan yeah. Thompson. So For sure, for Le, sure. It would make sense that Lavert's going to get a bigger contract than most people even believe he deserves. And maybe he does deserve it, but we need to see a lot more of that, right? We need to yeah. see more of him on the floor. Um, and you brought up the Jared Allen element, the fact that he – well, you know, he may be a bench player on this team. The reason why is because of DeAndre Jordan. And you you saw DeAndre Jordan play a good amount last year with the Dallas Mavericks. Give me some sense of what he was like last year, because I think it's, it was a complete lost season for DeAndre. And, you know, that's sort of the, the worrying element of this big three <laughs> that the Nets signed is that DeAndre is a four-year, $40 million. What did you see from DeAndre last year? I think it kind of it goes back to what I was thinking about KD, where like DeAndre's no longer young enough, and he's no longer got the energy to play at a high level at both ends. And it really felt like last year DeAndre was playing for a contract and was trying to grab rebounds, get stats more than perhaps like accept the role, be a defensive dirty work guy. Like I don't like DeAndre really seems to step back defensively because he's going all off offensive rebounds and points, and he had the ball in his hands a lot. It was kind of weird. He was there running a lot of stuff where he passed the ball at the high post. He really didn't have the energy to play elite defense. And he's not as fast as he used to be. He's probably more of a drop defender now than a guy who could switch out and guard on the perimeter. So I think it's just a matter of, well, I think it'll be good for him because he's going to go into a, a team with a more established pecking order where he's not going to get a lot of offense run for him. He might be more willing to buy back into that defensive role. But he's not that fast anymore. He's, like, he's, what, 31 now? And he's played a, so many games. I think DeAndre's miles in his body is most in the league. So, to me, I think the only thing he has over Jared Allen is the ability to guard a Joel Embiid because he's bigger. But can he actually guard Joel Embiid? I don't know. Yeah. To me, that, well, I the, think Allen should be pissed. If I was him, I'd be pissed. Well, that's the thing. And, like, so we talked about that. Like, Jared Allen is – his growth is way f uh, higher and faster than it – than it should have been, right? Coming out of Texas, he was a guy who was, you know, he was supposed to be kind of late lottery, but fell to the the Nets where they picked him. And you know what's funny though about that? So I went to Texas. I, yeah. I think he has more talent than the two guys taken above him the next two years, Bomba and Hayes. Well, what's the deal he with Jackson Hayes? Situation. I don't really uh, fully understand. I understand that he's like he's great at catching the ball around the rim and then dunking it, but I don't I don't really know what the Pelicans. 
I don't know. I, I don't really love that draft pick for them, partly because I think Zion... Yeah, like, lack of shooting ability. Yeah, like, yeah. ultimately, you're going to want a center like, I don't know, maybe Vucevic. Or you're going to want, like, a center who can step out and shoot a three. And really, you don't really... At the end of the game, the center's not even going to be on the floor. Because Zion yeah. is... Actually, well, now Derek Favors will be on the floor with Zion, I guess. But Zion would be a center at the end of games. And That's what guard. I would think, too. I think the idea with Hayes and New Orleans is just going to run a lot. You know, run and jump. They're going to play fast-paced in the league, I'm sure. Well, it'll, it'll, so. be, it'll be interesting for sure to see what DeAndre the Nets are getting because you needed to pay that. You needed to pay DeAndre Jordan, apparently, to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, so you'll do that. And $10 million a year is not ultimately that big of a deal, but to, he, he's going to matter because this team did need uh, like a bigger big to play against guys like Joel Embiid. I mean, really, it's just Joel Embiid. That's like the guy. So yeah. can he be effective enough? That because Jared Allen got tossed around last year and it was pretty rough to see. Um, I'll ask you one last question, and I'll let you go. Just so let's say Kevin Durant definitely 100% doesn't come back next year. What from what you're seeing from the Nets, any like soft predictions you want to make right now in terms of what's their ceiling or what type of team that they may be? I know it's early, way early, I know, but and we don't even know what Kawhi's doing, so we can't even almost figure out. I'm not saying they're gonna go to the finals, but how different do you think they'll be from this year this year coming up to what they were last year i mean the guy i'm watching is torian prince i think that's really fell under the radar because of everything else that happens i think he's the key he'll be the four next year i'm assuming he can handle a pretty big role in an offense he's very versatile pretty skilled good shooter good defender i think i think you have prince has to play well and Curix at that three four spot uh i would put them right now in a level below I think right now, with Kawhi in the air, you've got Philly and Milwaukee a cut above the rest of the East. And I'd put Brooklyn in that tier with Boston, Indiana. Then Toronto without Kawhi is probably falling a step back. So somewhere in that three to six range, I think these should be a lot better this year. I think there's a lot of fun teams in the East. Yeah, and then you have the Knicks, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> thanks, Jonathan, for uh, joining us real quick. I really appreciate it. No problem. Have a good one, man. You too. Yeah, boy.